The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts. As seen on the Travel Channel, author-researcher Ronnie LeBlanc. And as seen on the History Channel, actor-host Maddie Blake. Hey, monsters. Ronnie here. Maddie's away. He's up filming on Oak Island this week. So I'm uh, going into the Monsterland vault. I'm going to pull out an interview I did a few years back with Larry Warren. I figured it's timely. I figured it makes sense to kind of pull this in. We just had his co-author, Peter Robbins, of Left at Eastgate on last week. So I wanted to pull this interview out, let you guys take a listen, and let us know what you think. This is Larry's side of the story. Uh, He also has an encounter, a Bigfoot encounter, from upstate New York that he had with his mom that he shares during this interview. And, um, you know, I listen to it again and I start to wonder, did he really have this? Is just this uh, another story that he's making up? Let us know what you think. We'll be back in action, full swing, right after Labor Day. Uh, We might have one more micro episode after this. Um, we might pull another one from the vault for you guys to listen to as well. But here you go. Left at Eastgate, co-author of Peter Robbins, Larry Warren. You're a New England man, right? I'm a, I'm a New York guy, but all my family are from Boston. So they're all, uh, you know, my sister and I are New Yorkers, but uh, my whole family, are all uh, Bostonians and... Uh, I lived in Mass for a while. More of a Connecticut guy for a lot of years, right. but uh, I know the the Hoswadaka Hawaii, all that. <laughs> so I grew up with it. I even have a little of the accent, so it confuses everyone. So good to be talking to home. Uh, absolutely. Um, so Larry Warren is the author of Left at Eastgate uh, with Peter Robbins, and it was about the incident at Bent Waters. Larry, for the people that don't really know uh, about that story, if you can give us kind of a, a brief uh, description and kind of background on your involvement with that, and then we can dive into some other topics. Okay. It, uh, it's a series of military, uh, I'm sorry, it was a military air base, U.S. Air Force in England here, where I live, down in Suffolk. And it's now closed, and in December 1980, we had three nights of UFO incidents. And it involved numerous people, and it was uh, a big cover-up. I was involved the third night, and uh, I and others uh, who have gone on record uh, saw things happen. We had a deputy base commander who uh, made an audio tape that night, eventually wrote a memo. I got both of them out into the public realm, because I'm the whistleblower. (laughs) If you don't like it, that's too bad. That's just the way it worked out. Could have been you. But uh, so, uh, yeah, and that's it. It's a real ugly, toxic thing. There's nothing joyous and uh, romantic about it. It's You've never seen the worst of human uh, behavior uh, with people on the peripheral of it, uh, people just looking at it, 
or some people that uh, were involved in it. So it's a huge, if you ever want to do a PhD or a thesis on very messed up human behavior, this is a thing to study. You don't have to believe in UFOs and you'll get a PhD like you wouldn't believe because you never see more crazy and wickedness in your life. I can't make it nice for you. If you want happiness, I'll tell you about Bigfoot. That's scary, but nice. But maybe they're all nasty people in that too. I don't know. Are they? I guess so. It's kind of very similar. The camps, it's a lot of infighting, a lot of egos. Yeah. It's It's so weird. It's a weird thing. So anyway, Rendlesham or Bentwaters, and it involved Americans. Uh, it, it, It was a political issue. It was at the height of the Cold War. To give you a context, John Lennon had been shot two weeks before. Then we had uh, Ronald, I'm sorry, Jimmy Carter was on the way out as the president. And I was security forces and we were highly trained to be there. We then just drop young people off at a high school and say, yeah, go protect nuclear weapons. (laughs) And we had nuclear weapons. And And that reality itself made these events of extreme defense significance. And, of course, I live in a country still which is about 40 years behind the states with, uh, you know, kind of, you know, media, uh, at least, you know, it, what did they do in the states? Didn't they, if you had a UFO story on the news, they go to the weatherman who would just be chuckling. <laughs> what a bunch yeah. of crazy. <laughs> well, Jim, it's going to be sunny, to me, but it's always the weatherman. In England, they have this, the press, is it, it's totally controlled here. It's the there's three words. There's UFO enthusiasts. It's like you know you're running through a field with a kite, uh, or tr- UFO spotters. Right. Uh, it, it, and the, the 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 intelligence of the press is circa 1950. It truly is, and it's designed to be that way. The population is rather wise to, but very not quite where the states are with openness. Dev, more. I'm not about the government. It's the most repressed government you ever see in your life. It's 37 years ago. It's I co-authored a book with a guy called Peter. Uh, it was a Times a Times of London bestseller. Uh, we were ahead of John LeCare for a week. It was 11 and a half years of hard work, a lot of money to do it. And uh, and the reason I did it because Whitley Strieber said to me. Uh, long before he wrote Commune, and he was working on it. And he said, uh, you should uh, uh, write a book, because I had been misrepresented in a few, and uh, by then, in the mid-'80s. And so I said, okay, and had no idea that would be a decade of marriage and everything, and a lot of money, And uh, but it had to be done. you know. So I'm the guy that got it out, and it was, uh, and that's, on the record and that's it and you know and otherwise it's all ugly and nasty and uh i testified at the national press club i was one of the original 21 witnesses i had a secret clearance i wasn't any high-ranking guys there i'm in first class but i saw things i don't know what they were but it wasn't from here and a lot of people talk about the binary download and i'm asked about it a lot it didn't happen to me that was on the first night with Sergeant Jim Penniston, and this is what he says happened to him. I have I had no experience in that uh, at all. So mine was an observation that was pulled away. But there is some missing time with a number of us, you know. Uh, 
it involves a lot of people, folks, and it's worth reading a lot of sources and come to your own conclusion. I think we should all be polygraphed, and then I think, uh, you know, there, I think some of the ones without agendas, I don't have one. There certainly isn't money to be made in this, and it's definitely not a good thing for uh, your reputation to get around these sort of people, you know. I mean, we're serving our country. I will tell you, I'm not politically correct. I see I've been banished from ufology. Christ, I've been doing more media lately than to, I don't know where I'm, this is going, but <laughs> I'm banished. I mean, who are these people? These right. are, They've never put the uniform on. They don't know what it's like to truly stand up for something under your own name. Uh, and I was young and I was idealistic, but I am a guy, you knock me down, I'm getting up, you gotta kill me. You have to do that. Right. And it took that because I know they lie about the subject and it's been lied and suppressed as we all know for, no one believes that these things don't exist. No one, you're a moron if you do. And you think this is all made up stuff. It, you're an idiot and you, you know, or something's wrong with you. It's particularly now. And uh, I'm not in the believe me business, but there's enough evidence out there of the subject that the you unidentified craft from someplace else, I don't care where, it ain't built in Detroit, that's all I know. It's not our secret stuff, you know, and it's, you know, we're not, we can't even get a shuttle up all the time, they blow up. And, uh, you know, these zero gravity things, it's, it's not, not true, it's not ours. I don't care, you know, it, it, I know it, uh, I know it, I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, Oh, geez, I've got to convince so. And I'm not on a mission. I could care less about ufology. I don't have much respect for the researchers in the subject. I can name you the ones I do have respect for. But in general, they all like their own voices. They use witnesses. It's for their own big podium thing. I'm not part of their crew. I've never right. been part of the game. I'm for witnesses. If I'm for anything, I just stood up about something that happened to me. It was important to get it out. And it involved a lot of people that are not young men anymore and we were serving our country in a foreign country and that's it the end <laughs> back in my day ronnie i uh i'm from the days i knew alan heineck you know v1 sure you know for close to kids in close encounters he comes up i have a heineck kind of beard now you do <laughs> and yes but i don't have his brain but um I don't think he's partied as much as I have. But uh, Alan, I knew him. I knew Jacques Vallée. I knew uh, all of the the old guard. And they were all pretty cool. Heineck was very supportive. because I was alone for 10 years with Rendlesham until other witnesses, some of them got their pensions. And uh, that's cool. But then, you know, they must not have gotten hurt as bad by it. But the subject, we had Philip Class back then, he, he was a rank amateur compared to these animals running around now on the Internet. Gang stalkers, they call them. Uh, you know, people that, have, number one, uh, have contributed nothing to the subject except their useless opinions, character assassination, and all kinds of things. Uh, people, and you know, I'd like to go up and just grab their windpipes and just <laughs> quietly deal with this away from, uh, you know, prying eyes. Unfortunately... In this civilized world, you can't do that. Uh, but you don't have to put up with it. And so I feel bad for these people 
that are, I would suggest to anyone I've always asked, I've had a thing happen to me. Uh, you know, I'd like to talk about it and get it out. I say, shut your mouth, get on with your life, go to work, raise your family, mm. stay away from it. Stay away. Now, because Philip, the UFOs... Did, huh? Didn't Philip try to get you to come on his boat or something like that? He did. And I don't know if there was any sexual overtones with that <laughs> thing, but uh, he uh, asked me on his boat back in the 80s, and I used to send, he was a Jewish fellow, and I used to send him Christmas cards every year because uh, I, I had his business card. Biggest mistake he ever made was giving me his business card. And then I would send sometimes, because he tried, called me a drug-addicted hippie because my hair was might have been on my ears, I don't know. Right. And uh, it was like Kolchak the Night Stalker. You know, Darren McGavin, he'd have the tape recorder in your face. He was a very nefarious guy. He liked to pick on women quite a bit. But um, but I have to say, even the, that kind of guy, you know where they're coming from? Right. I'm talking about UFO researchers that are showboaters, that grab a witness. And I know great ones, but Hopkins is a great man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a good guy. I'm not, there's no cult with Bud. He didn't lead people. He was a friend of mine for 30 years. Uh, there's a lot of other people I respect. They don't get involved in garbage. Bruce Maccabee's great guy, beautiful piano player. Uh, uh, Stan Friedman, I've known him. He wouldn't talk to me for a good first 15, 20 years. I knew him until, well, you've been around long enough. I might as well hang out with you. So he would, he's a cool guy. And who can blame him? Uh, but there was a lot of people. In fact, in my past the early days with all this that uh, were nefarious characters. They were self they had self-motivation. Right. And therefore, the events, it's not that I'm more important than anything, but I could see that. And I said, these people use witnesses. And then you're discarded, and then these people pop out a book. And I figured, I don't need someone else to tell how I feel. And I don't need someone else to write a book for me, because they're never going to get it right. And I'll be lucky if I get it right. So I set out, thanks to Whitley Strieber. Whitley's the guy motivated. in mass. Huh? He motivated yeah. you. Yeah. He told me, he said, you should write a book. And I'm like, oh, okay. Not <laughs> and these were the days of real book publishing. Not now. It's so hard to, you can self-publish and you're better off because we got ripped off anyway. Mm. Uh, so all this grandiosity, like, oh, these authors and all, it's all BS, man. You know, it's just the medium. Books aren't even read. Do kids even read books now? But right. there it is. Your book, I can't wait for it, but... That's it, and it's there forever until it disintegrates where, you, you know, someone can pick it up and motivate themselves to read it and judge it. Though I'm afraid you'll find as an author that uh, people will buy your book, and it's very nice, or I've give, I found I gave away more than I probably ever sold, but uh, you would find that you, I can tell in five minutes if someone's actually read it. I, five minutes, I can just tell and a majority of people don't read them. I think they buy them for the covers. Mm. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And it, it is very nice, but, you know, you're re this always, always answering the same questions. And I always bring up the analogy now in my advanced years. I say, you know, you think of that port, that Gilligan, Gilligan's Island, right? Yeah. From my days in the 60s, it was Bob Denver. 
And that poor SOB, he was like my age and then his 70s and he still had the Gilligan's hat and he had a, you know, with, it act like the idiot with the skipper when they had shopping centers. And that's what's down for you. You're typecast on Gilligan's eye. That's what happens. <laughs> so you, you were really our own worst enemy. The best thing is, folks, keep your mouth shut. Yes, the stuff's real. Uh, find something pleasant, happy. Paint, I paint. Uh you know, be good to each other, uh, hang out with your kids a lot, stay the hell out of this subject, man. Just know it in your heart. It's a self-realization thing anyway. Right. Who cares what other people think? And that's it. It's real. There's nothing we can do about it. We'll never know what it is because we don't live long enough and we ain't that important to begin with. So, <laughs> good night. Now, Larry, this wasn't the first UFO incident that, that you had in your life. You've had some experiences... Yeah. Talk about what, what was the first UFO experience that you had? Well, I don't know the first one in the 60s. Now, back in the early, uh, when I was public with this and I got on the circuit, um, <laughs> which is basically just keep it out, you were not allowed. I mean, MUFON, and I, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not, MUFON, hopefully it's changed. Back then, MUFON, they've even claimed they voice dressed me. They never did. It's anyone not true but MUFON had a thing if you saw anything more in the light in the sky you'd be tarred feathered drawn and quartered and that's just before you get into the door you would be banished uh, you know shot down in flames and sounds like a good night out to me <laughs> but I really didn't care what these uh, academic stooges and wannabes and thought about anything frankly and still don't so I did I had more than my share and uh, since the 60s, I didn't know what it was. I'm not from a, fly, a flying saucer and paranormal family, uh, though open-minded and supportive of me. I'm not from a family where this kind of thing ever was in books and in the house. None of that, you know. So, uh, so I had some very strange things, which I recount and left at Eastgate. And I had to think very hard, do I want to put them in the book? There's a number of things I put in the book I, I had to think very hard because it's not a flying saucer book. It's a real-life kind of book. And uh, it was my real life to a point in my life. And so when people say, yeah, my book's a lie, I go, well, the UFO incident's one chapter. The rest involved my family and friends of over 50 years, and they've never had a problem with it. So up yours. And, uh, you know... Uh, up yours. I, I am not in the please people game. UFOs right. happen. Some people are repeaters. I've never been kind of a lay down guy. Stand up for anyone. I know what brotherhood means. Right. I think we had to talk about this. Brotherhood's used a lot out in the bar with a hey, brother and people that would run you over to get their next, you know, nickel. I mean, they, you know, they ain't your brother. Right. Brotherhoods are. I know a lot more about brotherhood than people I've spent a lot of time with that you would think they would too. Life don't work that way. Right. Life ain't fair. But I have had amazing things happen, very scary. And the UFO thing, actually it sounds so weird, it bores the hell out of me. Because it's been Gilligan's Island for 37 years. Wow. I, I'm proud of what I did. I got the Hulk memo out. I got the incident out to the public. Mm -hmm. I want to give credit to Dodge Street, who was on the scene right away. A little girl from Suffolk, who's an older lady now, and she, UFO researcher heard about it. And she's one of the greatest characters and a lovely person. And she came to the uh, 
was investigating originally with her sidekick, Brenda Butler. And they deserve full credit as being the original uh, researchers. And that it, there were two women in a very male-dominated field, ufology back then, particularly in England, very sexist over here. It's stunning, particularly in those days. Now I think the subject is getting very female-dominated, and I don't think they like men too much, Ronnie. <laughs> so I wanted to give Dot credit and Brenda, and because uh, they did. But I am the whistleblower, and that means that comes from the inside out. I never used a fake name. I've heard all that. It was given to me by a guy in Mass named Barry Greenwood for a book, Clear Intent, mm -hmm. which was one of the driest books in history. The most, it was so conservative, it would be a Mormon leader. It was that dry, <laughs> it catches on fire. And yet it was all the FOIA documents, which was a very big deal back in the early 80s. And uh, so I worked with Larry Fawcett and Barry. And Barry is from Stoneham, Mass. Right. And uh, I imagine he's still alive. Larry is not. There's yeah. a million ways folks can look into it. If you want egos, if you have ever hung out with Led Zeppelin, which I have, they could not match the egos. And I'm talking about Plant Page of a lot of people in ufology. So if you want to go floating down that stream, happy trails to you. Mm. But if you want to just research for yourself and come to your own conclusion, that's all anyone can ask you to do. But a fair assessment of people's experience, because it does affect human beings. It's been a very negative thing to not just me, other guys involved, our families, etc. And I imagine the majority of our families wish we never, we had gone into the Navy, you know. Yeah. But I get seasick. Yeah, it's a nasty, ugly thing, but you get what you get. Betty Andreasen told me, and her dear husband, Bob, you know, the Andreasen affair, yeah. Ray Fowler yeah. from Mass, Ray is, and Betty Andreasen were the first people outside of my family. Of course, I told my mother within minutes of it, my event on the phone got cut off and wrote her a letter predating the Holt memo. And yes, it's authentic. Elvis did not write the letter. And, uh, but Betty Andreasen and I went and had coffee cake at their house. I can remember it. They had some weird things happen. Oh, yeah. In their living room in Cheshire, Connecticut. Never forget it. There's a big story how I met them. And sure enough, uh, she said, well, if you go forward, which wasn't my plan to be on the circuit, you know, she uh, said, uh, you're going to be attacked. And where you get attacked, I guess I can leave it at this. Everyone, you know, the UFO gang is always, ooh, the government. You know, there's people here that maybe took a picture of a UFO and put it on their Facebook, and then they think helicopters are after them. They're not after you, folks. The government is not interested in you. They're not interested in me. We are contained in, why don't you go out there? Why don't you put UFO because it's a fringe subject member, just because you and your gangs and the groups and all, there's a thousand people there. To most people in society, it's a room full of a thousand idiots, me included. So that's how we're all looked at. And yet the subject attacks, and I'm a realist now, I don't have much time anymore. You, you, what well, you're contained. Once you go, I blew the whistle to what? I went from one box into another one. And that's it. You realize that later. And whoever the federalities or whatever, I think private contractors deal with this. And it's slant operations. Probably the same people that whack Kennedy that deal with this kind of thing just for a sideline. I don't know. 
assassination this week, suppress that UFO incident next week, <laughs> time for a vacation. Oh. I don't know, but it's something we're never going to get disclosure for. I raised my hand at the NBC, that hand, and I said I would testify under threat of prison, mm. uh, which sounds appealing nowadays, but I mean a prison, federal prison, uh, to uh, tell the truth, you know, under oath about what happened to me and others. And uh, it never happened. Then September 11th came. Uh, my brother survived that, lost a few friends. And um, there were planes, folks. That's the other bunch I can't put up with. No planes, nothing happened. Sandy Hook is actors. Right. Or a, high, a little school full of uh, 30 murdered kiddies and their actors. These are people that need to understand really bad things happen in this world and it's not always a conspiracy. Right. Sometimes there's just people really incorrect and a lot of hatred instead of making excuses. You know what? I can't take much of that stuff and I get yeah, real angry with it because we're dealing with people's children. Right. I would That's other people I would like to just politely turn into a ghost, come through my computer, find where they live, come out, Next subject, yeah. because these people don't deserve opinions. They are really dangerously twisted, and I don't like being. Probably now we get all sorted into that same. Yeah, be suspicious. I don't think Ken, I think Oswald didn't even do it, but yeah. that's my that's view. Uh, when you're getting down to these other horrific things that go on, yeah, the politics are dark. Yeah, we let Saudi Arabia get away with it with uh, 9/11. They financed it, and you know that's the bottom line. But there was too many interests. But I don't like these people on the internet, probably idiot kids that never served the country. They, I don't know what they are. They're people that probably 40-year-old men picking on teenage girls <laughs> that eventually hang themselves because the young kids have no damn self-esteem anymore. How the hell did we get through life? How did we do it? My parents went through the depression, you know. Uh, served the countries. I served... Uh, you know, went in. I didn't join the military for something better to do. I was in rock and roll bands. Right. Went in because I wanted to serve my country. Uh, and we didn't whine about it. And I didn't take some college deferment like a lot of non-people at that era did. While the working class kids were over there dying. Right. And these other assholes were in the, uh, you know, deferred program. And throwing paint on vets coming back through Frisco baby killer, all that stuff. Well, they've never, you know, come on, man. So I, a lot of people think because you were stand up for this stuff, you're all this lefty kind of, you know, love and light snowflake stuff. I am anything but that. Love my country. I, if I'm not too old enough to fight and die for it still. I believe in the Constitution uh, to the death. And I am proud to be an American. And uh, some people don't like that. I guess that's not popular. We'll go somewhere. All these commie kids run around with the masks on their face. I stood up and I didn't wear a mask to the government when they were wrong. I didn't hide myself. I've had real legitimate threats. These other little kids run around. Once someone puts a finger on them, they start rolling around the grass. Whatever politics you are, that's a strange breed, too, that I'd like a few minutes with in a dark alley. But that's me. <laughs> That don't have to be you. Tell me about your, your Bigfoot story that you had. We were, we were talking a little bit about yeah. that yesterday. 
And that encounter is unbelievable. I'd love uh, for the audience to kind of hear about that. Well, thank you for getting me off that horrifically <laughs> ugly subject and all the other opinions I'm, I have that are useless also. The, uh, yeah, Ronnie, the, uh, in 75, my mom decided to take us, my sister and I, to Niagara Falls, and we're living in Glens Falls, New York. I went to Queensbury Heights, you know, blah, blah, you know, all that. Upstate New York, because I was living in Connecticut with my dad, and I went up to live with my mom uh, in 74. So the next year, it was hot as hell, it was July 7th, we popped into my mother's Plymouth Gold, I think there were Plymouth Gold Duster and with a snake skin top, man, and off we went. And my sister's in the back seat, and I met, and we went down the north way, 87, got on the throughway, and headed west on the uh, New York throughway. We got to central New York, and uh, New York State, for foreign folks, or, and... Uh, just what I know now to be above Seneca Falls and there's a river and there was a bridge and it, we're driving and there was a big giant field to our right and there was a tree line and see 42 years ago but I just saw it again after all those years last year hmm. where it was so I've been looking at forever and I saw this thing I thought was a horse or so. I just didn't, you know, you're driving. It was 100 degrees out. It was, if anyone checks the records for New York State weather on July 7th, 1975, I can guarantee you no one in a gorilla suit would be running around right. on those days, particularly in a part of the country where everyone has guns and would blow you away. Seeing some freaky person in their fields like that, you're going to get shot, right. you know, at home. In England, they can't imagine that. Over there, you got a good chance of getting a bullet in the ass, right? So, and you'd have to be about nine foot tall to do what I saw happen. Mm. So this thing, what I saw was a deer, and it was bolting back and forth, and it was the traffic was going about 55, maybe a little below, and the, and we were in the middle lane. Broad daylight, midday, and I'm looking, and I see this deer going bouncing back and forth. And behind it, I thought it was like a horse. I don't know why. A big reddish-brown thing. And it, what I saw it do once, it must have kept doing it because it went the speed of our car. I'm not kidding. Wow. It kept up. Everyone saw this. This thing had to be going about 40, 50 miles an hour. And the deer definitely was, but this thing was right on it. And I saw it on all fours, grab the ground or grab something. It was all marshland kind of stuff. And it flew. It just, it moved laterally in a way that, frankly, shouldn't happen. It mm. was so weird, and that still stays with me. It's not that it was there. It was how it moved. Next, it's up, and I'm telling you, this thing suddenly was running. And it was unbelievably when people say these things are big, and this is New York State, folks, not California, and this thing ran, and it hit the back of this deer. It was a buck, and the deer must have spun in this tall grass, and it got to the small river. And now I know the name of that. I can't think of it now. And it jumped in the reeds, and I have this vibe. This thing was a young Bigfoot, mm. whatever the hell it is. And, you know, you're looking going, Okay, that's a Bigfoot. I've seen that on In Search Of. I thought they lived in California, where all the fancy folk do. And I looked, and uh, I just going, I, this doesn't, shouldn't exist. And here it is, 
right there. And as wow. I told you, my vibe on it, I didn't talk to it. And you know, you would think you would pull over. I got to tell you, I wish we did. But also as a part of me, because a lot of other cars were clearly seeing it, to yeah. include a New York State police right. car just in front of us. They had big Plymouth Furies back then. Mm. And that put its lights on and went to the side. There's no way you weren't going to see this. And the, Ronnie, I'm telling you, and it was that quick. I don't want to stretch it out longer, but it was enough. And I looked at and it was protecting its kill. I think that deer was trying to get up on the highway. It was only 20 yards away from us. Wow. Get up there to people, even if it got hit by a car, was probably better than what was about to And it's very sad and weird because I'll tell you what, I have some views of this, if, uh, which is a little scary uh, now because I, and this thing tried to go in the water and it got it before the water and it was protecting its kill. I got this vibe, it was young, but it was about eight or nine feet tall, uh, easily. It was all the things they say about the mass on it, did not have long shaggy hair. It had this very shiny kind of, you know, very auburn, beautiful kind of hair on it. It had that pointed, that crested Crest, head. Yeah. And it looked at the highway, its neck, you know how our neck does that? Its its upper body moved that way. Wow. And you know what? It was just so unnatural. So all these stories you hear about how they move are so true. And they live in the East Coast. They live in the woods. These exist. This was in the Montezuma National Game Preserve, mm -hmm. it turns out. This thing must have just said, I'm going to kill a deer. I don't care if it's daytime. And, I, you know, they eat them. I know they eat the livers and all. I've studied about them now. Uh, it, it's a scary subject. I, I, I'm not, I don't go with they're a monkey kind of I, thing because there's I'm never been you. an ape in North America. Yeah. And I have to say, these things, and I know there's the, the DNA things, there is a human part because you're looking at it. You, you knew it was a human thing there. Yeah. But it ain't also. Yeah. This is something else. And it, there's something in the paranormal realm. Agreed. Now, I imagine Okuku about those opinions and the, you know, that field, right? But I've, I've been told the Kennedy assassination bunch, they attack each other. So, well, screw all of them. They didn't right. see this Bigfoot. And I'll tell you, that was, and I think I've had a, so my mom had seen it before I did. We looked at each other and she, we both said Bigfoot. And I thought a lot about it in the last few years because my mother has dementia. And you, you, you know, I'm saying, God, you know, it was something you didn't talk about to your school friends back in 75. Like, hey, I saw a Bigfoot because, you know, they think you're, you're smoking pot or yeah, something. Yeah. Or, they, you know, back then, stoners like, hey, you know, the Cheech and Chong kind of times. <laughs> You know, and they're, they're idiots, too. And they, they, a lot of them still have the same haircuts, some of these cats I knew. They're just the same guy, yeah. except they're old and still stoned. And uh, But you just couldn't talk about it, even though there's a lot of paranormal stuff in the mm. 70s happening. It was kind of hip, but in society, again, it's a fringe thing because the average person doesn't see it. Or if they do, I think they stay very quiet about it. They always make the statement like, you know, over here, like, oh, just farmers see UFOs and Bigfoots. And, right, right. Well, actually, rural people and country people are the first people that will not talk about it for standing in the community, religious background, etc. I've seen UFOs, clear-cut object with someone very famous I was with, right over New York City. 
right in the heart of it, go under the George Washington Bridge while I was on the top deck. Nothing can fly under that bridge legally. This was a circular classic flying saucer back in 88. My other friend in Fort Lee, we were going to visit, God rest her soul, who was a famous singer-songwriter also, saw it also with her daughter, Valerie. And they were freaked out, and it was the weird thing. So these things all happen. Why do I get to see them? I don't know. I thank God. It's a blessing. The curse is is opening your mouth about it, especially with Rendlesham. Because to me, I don't, I always say, I don't need it. I've read I'm banished from it. Great. I don't need it. I'm not interested in what these people's view of me is at all. Could care less. I love my friends. Majority of my friends are not involved in that stuff. They could care less about it. They just like me for me, and that's it. So, uh, yeah, the Bigfoot's amazing. They live there. If you have children, I have to say, in the woods, and you think, well, I'm a big hunter, man. These things could kill you if decided. And I have to say this because I will direct people to David Politis. I can't pronounce that cat's name. The Missing 411 series. I think there's a lot of strange things that go on in the woods, in the national parks and forests. It's taking people. I do believe this is part of the problem. These rogue uh, Bigfoots, I think, are killers of humans. And I can assure you how this thing, which seemed like a, here, son, go kill that six-point buck, right? 500-pound deer. Just go slap it in the ass and it's dead. Okay, Dad. And this thing's flying vertically across the field at 50. Hey, man, you know, that shouldn't exist. Right. Now, can you imagine, well, I'm a six-foot guy in my, you know, flannel shirt and I have my pancakes. I'm going to blow a deer away. And one of them Bigfoot came up on me. Man, I'll tell you what. It would fold you like a toothpick. It'd right. be on you. You wouldn't even know it. It'd probably tear, pop your head off. These things are capable of instant death and they'll pick you up take you off i have no doubt we're just the predators they're an apex they exist and i think our government knows and i think kids have been taken and i think uh there was some crazy stuff going on in the cities in the national parks i'm not saying bigfoot's in the city doing it but there was a phenomenon out there that is taking people at will and that's another thing, and I don't know where it's all going, but right. there were some more very immediate things other than a 37-year-old, highly controversial, ancient history UFO event. There were things going on now that are very critically important, particularly because I don't want my niece, my niece's children vanishing. They live in the Adirondacks. Mm. I always tell them, they, they probably don't know it, because my family don't follow all this stuff. And they don't want to know, but I say, don't let the boys run around the bushes and all this. Because, I mean, kids are two feet from their parents and just gone. These are not perverts or serial killers. Just something It else. doesn't work like that. Yeah. So there's, there's something going on. The government knows about it, and they are culpable in that. They, maybe they, they want to panic people, but we're being picked off. And, and I'm not just talking about the abduction thing. I'm talking about absolutely just being taken for whatever reason. And it, when I hear the stories of the children, that has got to be the most heartbreaking, frustrating thing. And when you have Green Berets going off in the woods, you know, not talking to the FBI or anything else and just conducting their own heavily armed search, what do they know is out there that they don't talk about? Do you believe that they are alien or interdimensional? They're not uh, an animal. A Bigfoot. Yeah. Do you think there's something alien about them or interdimensional? 
You know what? I forgot what you sounded like. I've talked over you, and it's your show the whole time. Hey, that's why you're here. What, a, what an ass I am, anyway. It's either that or sit here and talk to that uh, planter there. But uh, the uh, yeah, I I no, I I think they are them. There's there's another part to them, yeah. and I think they have an ability to you know you're following footprints for miles and miles. And they disappear. And that they're gone. And, you know, there's a guy, a friend of mine on the Facebook, and he's a great guy, Robert Kreider, and he's out of New Mexico. You must have him on your show. I will. He's tracked the whole family of these people, uh, of these beings. And he knows, I mean, he's on them. He's taking a picture of Mama. And, I mean, this guy's a scientific dude, but he looks like Ted Nugent, you know, but he's out in the woods. That's a guitar player, folks. Uh (laughs) And he has a picture of Mama, who's 14 foot tall, picking up the baby, who's 6 foot 5, throwing him on the shoulder and running off, and not too happy. 14 feet tall, man. And this is in New Mexico. And Robert Kreider, you got to get on this guy, and I'll hook you up because he's got a brain, he's intelligent, and he's in the field tracking them all the time, and you'll be fascinated. So Mm. have you seen Bigfoot, Ron? I mean, come on, Monsterland, let's promote this great show oh. and Lemonster, my brother Steve LaPlume right. is from Lemonster. Who is part is of the Bentwires incident as well. That's absolutely. Right. And uh, I, I've been to Lemonster to Steve's house 30 billion years ago mm-hmm. and we went shooting uh, uh, magnums out in some pole line. We didn't hit a Bigfoot or anything. I didn't know about Monsterland back then. and uh, But I, this, it's the most intriguing name it screams Hollywood get me. It's just the best thing. And copyright that. Don't let oh, them, yeah. you know, there'll be someone over here soon going, oh, yes, my new book, Monsterland. <laughs> you know, it's about a bad tea session I had in Hull, you know. Uh, don't trust any of them. No. Stick with that. It's great. Yeah, I think these are from another world, another dimension. And, uh, and, uh, and it's very creepy. They do claim... I was banned from the University of Glasgow last year uh, because I allegedly threatened to kill people. And all I did is said, if anyone threatened me or mine, uh, I would actually get to them before security would, whoever they may be. It turned out it was twisted to be, and it was all set up, that I said, if anyone asked me a question, I'd be off that stage and tear your throat out. Well, you know, I wouldn't be invited back in many times. So anyway, I got to Glasgow. I didn't get to yak in Glasgow. But, um, and I forget why I mentioned Glasgow. Ah, yes. Uh, they cl- there was a girl I met briefly, and she said she saw a Bigfoot up in the Scottish Highlands. Now, it's an island, so I don't know how these, if hmm. they're here, then it's got to be a paranormal, you know, window thing. Right, portals. They're definitely not that. in Liverpool, but there are some strange creatures in Liverpool. And we have a window area here, and objects do come out of the Mersey, you know, mm. ferry across the Mersey. That's a, But UFOs come out of it, and that feeds the Irish Sea. And it's a very strange area. With I live near a place called Sefton Park. And if you know Beatle folklore, you hear Sefton Park and all that. And, we in Toxteth and all. It's a lovely area. And it's a great area. It's all my friends here. But um, there's been triangular objects just down the street, just sitting over the parks. Uh, over Penny Lane, a thing just was, you know, the, from the song. It's all here. You know, you go through it and you go, sheet, that's the song. I mean, right. that's why it was written. And that's only down the street. 
and um, a giant object and all the t- I know a lot of the taxi drivers and they got their ear to the ground so they're out there all the time and they said this thing just shut traffic down over Penny Lane it was bigger than the whole big open area of Penny Lane which four streets feed it and then there's the shelter in the middle of the roundabout believe it or not it's really there. It's actually an old toilet, which they've been trying to turn into a restaurant for years, and it hasn't worked out because if you know the history of it, you're eating in a toilet. So it, it's never opened. It's one thing that has not worked out in Liverpool. Let me ask you this. Um, a lot of people that have UFO experiences, abductees, like Betty Andresian, for example, yourself uh, just being involved and having sightings, there's an element of being an artist or being a musician. What's your thoughts on that? That there's some kind of, whether it's the, the type of person that they're attracted to, or, or do you, I just, I find that fascinating that the ones that do have these experiences, like Bud Hopkins, I mean, you're a painter, uh, you've been uh, tied with the, the music scene for a long time. Yeah, what do you think used to that be. is that? Yeah. I, uh, I played, I was in rock and roll bands in the, uh, which it was, I was a drummer in the 60s, late 60s, and then, you know, your parents, if any drummers out there, that means you had parents that did not mind, or you had a garage to be sent off to. Me, I threw my brother, Scotty, through the bass drum one day, as I put a shirt over his head, and if he had not gone through the drum, he would have gone out our window, which would have been a real problem. And uh, so the, the drum thing ended. It, it just suddenly ended. And uh, I shouldn't have had drums. I'm, it just <laughs> didn't work out. So I played bass because I figured four strings were better than six. And I sucked on guitar. It was like math to me. <laughs> so I played bass and I played by ear. And, um, and I got in all the bands and we had such a great time. And later in life, I worked, but not in a playing capacity with a number of uh, you know, some deceased, some very well-known uh, folks. And uh, they're, like I said, the ego thing. I knew some very famous people that are icons, that are members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, wow. where they belong, even though that, you want to talk about politics there? Just as bad as UFO sure. gangs and MUFONs and all. Let me tell you, they are the biggest gang of plonks in the world because there's so many great people that should be in there, and then there's plenty of people that shouldn't even be allowed to take their garbage out in there. So that's just my view. Uh, I have been on the board of advisors with them, and you know, I just walked away from it. What's your opinion this year? And I go, well, you don't even know music, you know. So uh, I worked Live Aid back in 85 in mm-hmm. Philly. I mean, I, I was part of a lot of really, you know, the Atlantic 40th anniversary. Uh, you name it, you know, hanging out at the China Club with Paige Plant, uh, Ron Jeremy, I'll leave that alone, <laughs> who my friend would not shake his hand. And um, he was a great, you know, I'll leave him alone. He, sure. You know, he was with the sister. Ron Jeremy, folks, was an adult film star mm. of some note. And, uh, but what a funny guy, lovely guy. And his sister was visiting him, and she was a teacher in Virginia. I'll never forget this back in the 80s. But most of the time, it was a blur. But uh, I think your question, there is a lot of people, I think the arts are an escape or maybe we're, the, we're in tune to some kind of yeah. things. My mother's an artist. I started with art. Uh, I started painting. And then it took me, you know, just in 2000. I, I never did before. I, I just, hmm. just never did. And then suddenly it came to me and I drew a lot. I started, 
Well, my, my ex-wife went to John Lennon's art school, the Liverpool wow. Institute, what I forget what it's called, Lippa now, it's the Performing Arts School. Paul comes here every year, gives out the diplomas to, and, and gives honorary doctorates to uh, famous performing artists that have done great real things and earned their way, not, you know, one some Simon Cowell thing and then you're forgotten next week. You know, I, I remind people, the Beatles or any of those groups, they slogged it out for years in the, the biggest dumps you could imagine. They earned it. Nothing's given to you, kids. No, nothing worthwhile is given to you. You earn it. So Uncle Larry spoke. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so I found the love for the art. It just came on to me where it was, my ex was going, well, you're a guy just trying to be an artist. My co-author, Peter, was an art teacher. Uh, Peter was the art director for the Agents of Fortune album cover for Blue Oyster Cult. So we had a lot of that in common. Peter is a real artist. And then, but I don't know what a real artist is. I'm not trained. And then it turned into these symbolic things. They come to me, I paint them, but I haven't been able to paint in the last year. It's probably all those... Uh, Wonderful folk on the internet uh, that I'm having to send legal letters to distracting. <laughs> I don't know. A any other advice for people? I, I know you're telling everyone to that wants to get into the subject to run, <laughs> to get away. Um, well, no, you know, I, I'm being funny in a way. I, I say uh, tune into what I think what you're doing is very exciting. And I can't wait to read your book. Thank you. And I, I, I truly am. I'm not blowing smoke. There was something about when this all started to happen, the name and uh, just this vibe. I think you're going to be a great platform and forum for very, not only yourself, because you have plenty to say, but uh, some very interesting uh, human beings and uh, covering a vast array. I, advice, I'd say, yes, the phenomenon is real. I know most people have had things happen, just get on with their lives and would rather not. I mean, how many times, Ronnie, do you get someone that you might know going, you know, something happened to me once because they find there's someone they can talk to. Exactly, yeah. Uh, doesn't, and so you you be the ear for them. I say anyone thinking they, you know, an inauthentic. I mean, I I know some people, and it's quite common now, where you know maybe there's other issues in the life, and just because one has read communion, okay, does not mean you have to adapt because we know the story. I know the guy that wrote it. Right. And you don't have to adapt that to an experience that you never had just to account for other things in life that need to be sorted. Uh, I've experienced this. Uh, it's nothing you need. But I'll, this subject nowadays with the Internet is someone wants instant kind of fame. This ain't fame, folks. Right. You know, I walk down the... I'm, known here they laugh at me on tv here because it's liverpool but my son laughs he <laughs> <laughs> look like an idiot on that uh they they have actors that play you in these things that look like Pee Wee herman and all this uh it's it's you know just be a good ear and you know if things have really had i think the authentic people keep it to themselves i think uh bud used to have the support group England's a little behind. Everyone over here is some abduction support person. God, stay away from these people. Get psychic. You know, if you need to speak to medical professionals, do it. They'll listen. It's not about being believed. You get an ear. But don't go to these wannabe fame whores in the subject that exist in 
the ether world of the internet and proclaim themselves to be therapists or you know regression and no man you will die you it should be a criminal thing and there are a lot of these criminal elements mentally unstable elements mm. that are frankly running ufology in great britain now well i hate to say it and england you can quote me on it shame it's a shame want nothing to do with any of you i respect my friends in it I don't want to hang out with the rest of them. It's better I don't. You get an edge for me. Right. I don't have much tolerance for that kind. And uh, they don't tend to come out in real life anyway. But I would say just stay away from it. You'll find more repression within the subject on UFOs and more uh, suppression lies uh, as far as I'm talking about enemies turning stories around on very straight people. You know who the real ones are. Sure. All kind of every trick you can imagine. And maybe you're more patient than me. I know it comes with the territory, but this Internet stuff, when you've got to send legal actions out, you shouldn't have to in this stuff for lies and slander and defamation. I'll tell you what. What does that say about this field? Right. You are contained in ufology. No one's getting disclosure. That comes with it. So once you figure out there's something going on, that's all I'm going to know, that something's going on. Put a dot on it, get on with your life. Paint a painting, go get laid. Don't get laid. <laughs> Play a guitar. Hang out in the sun. Run away from that <laughs> shit. It, it just have, it's a realization yourself, and tune into Monsterland as often as you can. Thank you, brother. Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at monsterlandpod. Until we meet again in Monsterland.